Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing in over 40 countries. You can also find us through links at breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our local missions fellowship. Today, just follow along as I read by way of introduction, Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 15, where Paul writes, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Our lives before people would dramatically change if we were to live before them always with the intent of carrying out gospel ministry. That's the basic idea I want to share with you this morning. Our lives would drastically change if we lived always with the intent of fulfilling and carrying out the gospel ministry that God has called us to and God has given us. I'm not going to give you any opening introduction. I want to go right to our first point because there are a number of things I want us to see in this text before us. And the first thing I want us to note here is the ministry that Paul wishes to have in Rome among the Roman Christians. And it is, in a sense, an expression of gospel ministry. He wants to come to them, and through the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit, he wants to minister to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to see them live gospel lives. He wishes these new believers to be established and strengthened in the way of Christ. He wants the grace of God's saving work that has begun in their life to extend out into every aspect of their living. And so this is what he means in verse 11 when he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. The word their gift is grace or charismata. So that you may be established and strengthened. Paul is coming to them with the gospel and the full benefits of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he believes that out of the fullness of that gospel, there is more for them to learn and more for them to know and more for them to experience of the richness of God's saving work. So he's coming to them with this idea of the full benefits of this gospel to bring it to them. And so Paul actually concludes in Romans 15, verse 29, a further assertion of this desire. Although he speaks of this truth and this gospel throughout the letter he writes them, he still is not content that he's seen it, in a sense, implemented into our lives. He still wants to come to them with this message. And so in Romans 15, 29, which is a complement to Romans 1, 11, Paul says, but I know when I come to you that I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I know I'm going to come to you with all the riches that the gospel has for you, and I want to bring it to you. One of the things we can draw from that is this application. We must never think that our salvation through Jesus Christ is only a matter of gaining heaven or eternal life in the hereafter. It is gaining Christ and all of the benefits of being reconciled with God also in the here and now. It is living in the fullness 
of all that we can receive through Jesus Christ. It's having our lives fulfilled by being what we were made to be and what God has in this work of recreating us and giving us new life through Jesus Christ, what we were called to be, and that is to be obedient, loving, worshipers of God through Jesus Christ. I should say that the greatest and most wonderful implications of the gospel, the greatest impact of the gospel to be known is known by us, not on the initial day of our saving. It's the power that God begins to express in our lives and release in our lives beyond that moment in which he forgave us from the penalty of our sins at the day of our salvation. It is the outflow of that salvation like a mighty river coming upon us, leading us in deliverance from self and sin on a daily basis. It's the outpouring of that grace of God in saving us that gives us triumph over the perversities and the perversions of sin and self that still surround us in this world. Positively, it's the outflow of the gospel that offers us the refreshing benefits of God's presence and living in the midst of those things that God takes pleasure in. This is gospel living. And Paul wants to encourage the Roman Christians into those things. He wants to bring to believers the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to minister to them. At the same time, Paul also wants to and has a desire that along with these Roman Christians, he might extend that gospel life to those who have never heard it before. He might bring other people to Jesus Christ as well, that they might be converted to Christ and come into salvation. And Paul speaks about this focus of his life and ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We read these verses in our scripture reading this morning. In verses 19 and 22, Paul says this, though I am free from all men, the gospel has set him free and given him liberty in Jesus Christ. Though I am free from all men, I have made myself the servant of all that I might win the more. To the weak I've become weak that I might win the weak. I have become, Paul says, all things to all people or all men that I might by all means save some. That's a part of his desire as well. He wants to see the gospel brought to the believer in all of its fullness and all of its benefits and he wants to minister that gospel to their lives and he also wants to see that gospel brought to individuals who have never come to Christ before. In Romans 1.13 then Paul says that he is coming to them that he might have some fruit among you also just as among other Gentiles. Two lines of fruitfulness he's seeking for here in the gospel. The fruitfulness of the gospel developing its implications and its impact in our lives and the life of the believer. He talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, doesn't he? In verses 22 through 25. Take your Bibles and go there. Galatians 5 verses 22 through 25. These are verses we should know about. This is his aim and this is his goal that he might be used as an instrument of the Spirit of God to coax and bring people into this kind of gospel life, this kind of gospel living. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this, there is no law. There are no laws that are made to somehow inhibit these kinds of expressions. These are the very things that God wants to flourish in your life. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the kind of gospel fruit that, first of all, Paul is seeking among the Christians in Rome. 
the fruit of maturing Christians walking in the Spirit, manifesting the life of Jesus Christ through the power of that Spirit, producing him the fruit or the attributes in the life of Jesus Christ. At the same time, he also wants to have that fruit of new persons coming to Jesus Christ. On a number of different occasions, on actually two different occasions, Paul refers to the individuals who were the first to believe in Jesus Christ in what was southern Greece. And he calls them the first fruits of the gospel. And so when you bring a person to Jesus Christ, that's fruits. That's the fruit of the gospel as well. And he wants, I think he's speaking of both of these expressions of fruitfulness. This is the gospel ministry of the Christian. We want to see the gospel flourish in the life of other Christians. And we want to influence the flourishing of that gospel truth in their lives. And we also want to see the gospel come and flourish in the life of the unbeliever. Producing new life so that they might know him and believe in him and trust in him. So Paul concludes by saying in verse 15 of Romans chapter 1. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. He's ready to preach it to them, the believer, and with them to other unbelievers. It's his desire. It's the thing that's come upon him. And the other thing Paul says here, and this is the next point I want you to notice here, is Paul says that there is an impulse within him to take that gospel to others, and there's also an obligation set upon him to take that gospel to others. So I just want to make a contention here. I don't think Paul is just speaking about himself. I don't think Paul is this extraordinary, uncommon Christian. I think Paul is expressing to us the heart of the born-again Christian. This is the measure of the person who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone who is born again of God knows this impulse in the gospel ministry. They know this impulse wanting to influence those within the body of Christ with what it is that God is doing in their own life. There's something within them that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. They want to share that goodness with others. And at the same time, there's this impulse, this desire that grows up within them and want to take that gospel to those who have never heard and those who have yet to receive this good news. Beyond the impulse, the born-again child of God, as he begins to walk out and live out this life of surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, recognizes that there's an obligation to these things as well. Not only an impulse within but an obligation upon him. And that's our second observation here, our second point. Paul actually speaks of this. There is an internal drive and also an external compulsion to engage in gospel ministry. And it comes to all believers. An internal drive and an external compulsion. See here that Paul feels an internal pressure driving him to this readiness. He says in verse 11, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. He yearns within himself. It's something that's built up within him. And this internal impulse is something that broke into Paul's heart on the day in which he was converted and brought to Christ. And the moment that he confessed him and believed in him, this impulse came upon him. And by the way, at the same time, this impulse came upon him. And that day, a command came to him as well because Christ told him, I'm raising you up to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But this impulse came into his life. The Spirit of God came and indwelt him and began to take up resident in his heart. He was forgiven and he was cleansed and God began to live inside of him. And at that moment, a new heart was beating within him. A new pulsation was driving him. It was the heart of God and God's heart is a missionary heart. It's a heart to bring people to himself and to bring himself to people. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.20, describing this new sensation, this new thing that was taking place in his life that he says makes him and makes all people ambassadors of reconciliation. He says in 
Verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying that God has taken hold of his very being. And God is sending out his pleadings, his own divine pleadings, so to speak, through his own mouth and his own lips. You'll remember the prophet Jeremiah was called of God to call the people of Judah back into repentance to himself. The people didn't respond well to Jeremiah's witness. They persecuted him on one occasion. They took him and threw him in a pit for days. And he was trapped there in a well, an empty well, just full of mud. He sunk in and eventually someone came and took him out. But it was difficult for Jeremiah. And Jeremiah ultimately decided this was too difficult for him. This was too hard a task. So he decided not to proclaim it anymore. Not to give the people God's word. And this is what Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 29. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I tried to not say something, but the drive and the impulse was in me. And you should find some comfort in the saving life that you received from Jesus Christ that puts within you a knowledge and a desire and an impulse to share that life with others. It's, a, it's evidence that God himself is abiding within your heart and your life. Don't quench that. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.